While work-life balance could potentially be achieved, does it really create a good life? And how do exceptional leaders effectively maneuver their attention to the things that really matter most in every aspect of life? In this episode, Mike and I discuss how leaning into a deliberate imbalance can make life not just good, but great. Also, Mike shares why you may want to reconsider your stance on multitasking, the idea of selling out, and what we can learn from Olympic athletes from the 1950s. For more information about Quickfires by Learner Mobile, be sure to subscribe, share us with a colleague, and check out our show notes. Now, here's the podcast. Welcome to Quickfires by Learner Mobile, the podcast where we light the learning spark with skills, best practices, and stories for leaders of learners. Make room fireside for your hosts, Cheryl Porter and Mike Thompson. Hi, I'm Cheryl Porter, and I'm joined per usual with Mike Thompson. Hey, SP. We've got a topic that you know a lot about. I'm almost a student in it, but guess what? I do bring an opinion. Always. And we think that this could really be helpful to anybody listening today. And it's around this um, concept of life imbalance. Yeah, it's it could be some people may say it's a little bit controversial, um, but it's how do you be extraordinary through properly managing life imbalance? And I think a lot of people have preconceived notions of what your work and your home life should look like meshed together. But you have a little bit of a different perspective around this. Yeah. Work life, home life, personal life, you know, your your hobbies, your activity. I mean, everything is competing for our time all the time. And I think what made this topic so appealing for me is just this, this idea of striving for work-life balance. Mm-hmm. You hear that term a lot, striving for work-life balance. And I think it it can be confusing and and I'm not sure that how people view properly managing work life balance actually leads to a good life right because I think a lot of people feel like they will lose out on one or the other, yeah, so the way that a lot of people think about managing work life balance and and I'm glad we're talking about this because I think when you I don't go a week without having some conversation with somebody about this work-life balance idea. And I, I think the danger of it is people strive to have a proper work-life balance and they look at balance as there are eight things that – eight good priorities in my life. Okay. And every day I need to make sure that I'm properly slicing in to each one of those priorities throughout my day. Okay, so s- some examples of that would be work, work, marriage, yep. family, community, health. Sleep is a big priority for me. Yep. I think I said community, church. Yeah. All, all those all those things. Um your your leisure time, your hobby time, your health time, your family time. Your work time, all of those things are pulling at us every day. And where I think people feel the pain and where they lose hope is they look at their day and they say, how am I going to do all of those very well today? And the answer to that question is, you're not. I see. 
are you bringing a solution to this? I hope, <laughs> okay. I hope so. Or is this the end of the podcast? No, I, I hope so. <laughs> I I got to really dive into this several years ago in the book, The Organizational Champion. And there's a whole chapter dedicated to how does the extraordinary leader or organizational champion live extraordinary in all the important ways. And I studied it. I, I, I studied, you know, and, and if you think about the most extraordinary people that you know of, chances are they do not live a balanced life at all. As a matter of fact, their life is way imbalanced. The target is to properly manage imbalance rather than striving for day after day after day perfect balance, all eight slices of the pie get your attention all the time. When you're diluting your attention across eight equal things, you become mediocre in all of those things rather than extraordinary in the important things for that particular day. Right. And sometimes sleep is the most important. Sometimes sleep, That yeah. seems to be the one that gets squeezed out. Yeah. Or heaven forbid, your kids and your animals, they get squeezed out too. Yeah, I mean, you you hear the the stories of people that are working so hard that they get four hours of sleep a night. I mean, I will say that on occasion, extraordinary people know, let's call it an accountant on April 14th, they may not get all the sleep on the night of April 14th because they got a lot of deadlines that they're trying to hit on April 15th, tax sure. day. And so the accountant needs to prepare their life, orient their life to be way unbalanced on April 14th or, you know, mid-March to mid-April. You may not make every meal at home. You may not make every soccer game for that one of your kids are playing at. You may not get to exercise as much as you'd like to during that period of time. But guess what? When you've submitted you know, the IRS returns on the 15th, then guess what? You get to reorient. You get to, you get to close the chapter on that for a little while and catch up to other areas that you've been ignoring. So when I, like I said, I got to write that organizational champion book, that was a four month process. And for those four months, I was not going to work out. I was not going to go to the gym like I used to. I wasn't going to be home for dinner. I was going to be away on weekends sometimes. There was a lot of things that I said no to during during those four months. Mm -hmm. A lot of hard things. A lot of really good things Probably that I needed to – A lot of fun things I said no to. But that book was really important to me to, to write it. And so it got a lot of my attention, most of my attention. And I I oriented unbalanced to that book for a period of time. And I think it's important that you just say for a period of time, because for that accountant, for that author, after that book release or that tax day to keep going at that pace, that's when I think you start to redline. But always checking in with yourself as far as when is it time to scale back and be extraordinary in other aspects. Yeah. And I just I see a lot of mediocrity come from people who have really good intentions to be present at church, present in my community, present at work, present for every dinner, present for every event my kid has, always at the gym, all of those things. And 
when they spend some time trying to carve off equal slices to all those, they fall short in every single area. So instead of being extraordinary at anything, they become mediocre at everything. And I think that that's what properly managing life imbalance gives you is the opportunity to be extraordinary in the right things for the right time. And I wonder when we start a, a fresh new year, a fresh planner, we just go guns blazing. But think about once Thanksgiving hits, right. everything is like circle back around yeah. after the holidays. People kind of peace out. Yeah, they and do. I, and I think yeah. it's because they've just run out of steam. Which is not a bad thing because in addition to making sure that you're giving the majority of attention to the most important things, sometimes what we sacrifice is rest. Mm -hmm. Sometimes what we sacrifice is recovery. And you're right. There's going to come a point when we're not an unlimited battery. Our bodies, they deplete energy over time. And so part of being extraordinary is knowing when you're out of gas. Part of being extraordinary is knowing when you're burnout mm -hmm. and and not try to ride that burnout as long as you can, but but to pull back and start to recharge and recharging your battery is really, really important for that organizational champion, for that extraordinary leader. What are some ways that organizational champions recharge their batteries. I know for me, it's always a trip. Yeah. And sometimes I cocoon at home. I, I just need that, to, yeah. to shut everything out. Yeah. I mean, whatever your recovery is, mm -hmm. it, it could be a vacation. It, it could be, you know, wake up, sleep in late, veg out on the couch, you know, I, I don't know, go to a cool place for dinner and go to bed early. Mm -hmm. it, it could be that. It could be any number of things. But whatever it is, Find out what helps you recover. Find out what gives you rest. The, the, the focus needs to be recharging. So in the 1950s, SP, the Eastern Bloc countries in the Olympics were, were killing the U.S. They were winning all of the medals. Mm -hmm. And the U.S. did a study on why are we getting beat so badly in the Olympics, and they realized that um, some people would say, well, you know what? They're using drugs in the Eastern Bloc countries. And they found out that, well, so were the U.S. athletes. Whoops. They said, uh, "They said, well, you know, the U.S. athletes are amateurs. They're not pros. And in the Eastern Bloc country, they're pros. So our athletes have to also work. Sure. Well, what they found out was that our athletes, even with work, they actually trained more hours on their events. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't the amount of, of, of training. What they discovered that they trained on this idea of periodization. And what periodization is, is you train in periods or intervals or levels of intensity. And the Eastern Bloc countries would start off at a level of 10% effort. Okay. And then after a while, they would bump up to 30% effort. And after a while, they would bump up to 100% effort. And then after that period of 100% effort, they would back down to 10% effort mm -hmm. again. And they would do the whole thing over. So they were properly managing their peak and rest intervals. The U.S. athletes were not training that way. They were training to where you try to get to max performance as quickly as possible and then just try to maintain it until the Olympics. And what ended up happening was they were either getting burnout or injured. Right. But if... If, if you weren't injured and you weren't burnt out, 
one of the worst things is you were never able to grow your peak. When you trained in a periodization interval kind of process, you would find out that your your 100% in January compared to your 100% in May was a lot different. May's 100% by properly managing the rest and peak intervals was 30% higher than your 100% in January. And so they were able to grow their peak through periodization. And that's the way it works for us in life. We've got to properly manage our peak and work in those rest moments to be a top performer. And I'm familiar with this, not studying 1950s Eastern Bloc Olympics, but just through personal pursuits, weight training. It's very familiar. This is commonplace now. So I'm really interested to see how this fits in the the context of of working or any any personal pursuit. Yeah, it's been a real challenge because in corporations over history, you've had these, you've labeled them as vacation times. Hey, you're going to work 50 weeks out of the year and you're going to vacation two weeks out of the year. And that's your rest interval. Well, you know, who's to say what necessary rest is for you compared to me. Our jobs aren't the same. Maybe there's one that's more demanding than the other. So when we started uh, SVI and and Learner Mobile, we were one of the first to say no vacation policy. You can take a vacation whenever you need it because we know we're professionals here. That's right. And you're going to be able to tell us when you need to recharge better than I'm going to be able to tell you when you need to recharge. Mm-hmm. And so um, so I think work nowadays is starting to adopt that flexibility Absolutely. to accommodate those peak and rest intervals. Well, we're even seeing it with people doing these hybrid situations where they work from home versus working in yeah. office because it does provide them advantages being closer to home. It takes time off their commute. They're able to do things um, during the day that they wouldn't normally attending like a corporate campus. Yeah. And if, you, if you're responsible and you're good and you're dependable and you're a performer and you're, a, and you're consistent, then why not get the best out of that person and what that person has to offer? And and making sure that they're rested, making sure that they're recovered is is critical to their performance. Sounds great. Quick Fires is brought to you by Learner Mobile, the learning experience platform that delivers the right information at the perfect time so you can win your day. To simply develop everyone in your organization and start your free trial of Learner Mobile, go to learnermobile.com. Now, back to the podcast. Mike, up to this point, we've really talked about being exceptional in in all aspects. However, it might not hit at the same time all the time. It's about being exceptional at all things at at different phases of of the calendar year, the month, your life, the importance of recharging batteries. Let's talk a little bit about where passion fits into into life uh, imbalance. Yeah, there's a lot of people that... I believe live passionless lives and, and they've probably, they've probably bet on security Mm. and, and replace passion with, with security. And somehow our society has said that, you know what, we're going to, we're going to give you security and, and we're going to ask you to, to forego your passion. And so one of the activities that we do is, is we ask leaders to to mark an X on a continuum where security is off to the left and, and passion is off to the right. 
And we just say, hey, where's your life? Are you more on the security side or are you more on the passion side? Some people will will say, we're more on the, I'm more on the security side. Right. Others will say, I'm more on the passionate side. Well, we kind of set them up for failure there because really you don't want to pick a side. Yeah, it sounds a little bit like a trick question. It is. It's a little bit of a trick question. So, hey, we're giving it away on the podcast, right? Um, but really there are times in your life when you need to give full reign to your passion and then there are times in your life when you need to give full reign to just letting things settle, catching back up, maybe uh, putting in place some risk aversion kind of mm -hmm. stuff, really focusing on that that security side. But I don't want to spend my life there, you know, and I don't want to spend my life in unbridled passion either. And I think the most extraordinary people look at it as a continuum and at times they're going to orient to passion and they're going to give full reign to that passion and other things they're going to have to say no to. Mm -hmm. And then once that occurs for a period, then they're going to go to, you know what, it's time to rein things back in. Right. It's time to catch up on some of those things that I've said no to or I've avoided. It's time to probably orient to that security side. I think we're drilling down even deeper because as we we choose things, we're talking about choosing things within the continuum of passion versus passionless. When we're in one of these um, exceptional aspects, what should our mindset be? Because I feel like I've been around people and occasionally myself where you're a little bit scattered, you're trying to multitask. Right, right. And, and we say that, you know, oh, we're multitasking and that multitasking is a good thing. I don't think multitasking is necessarily a good thing. It costs, multitasking costs, they've, they've, they've actually calculated the number, costs corporations, I believe it's $600 billion a year in wasted productivity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find myself that I, I do a, a one at a time approach. Now, if I'm stalled on something, I'll continue working and revisit it. But answering an email while talking on the phone, while um, texting my husband, that just, I'm going to fail on all fronts. Yeah. it's. I think it's better. I, I call it fast tasking. Okay. Fast tasking. It, it's not sexy. <laughs> it doesn't sound great. But, but really, instead of doing 10 things at once, do one thing super fast and then the second thing super fast and then the third thing super fast and just knock them out right. uh, one at a time so you can, you're more productive that way. Okay. There's this word that I think we as a society hate. It's a derogatory word. I kind of like it. Okay. It's sellout. Okay. Don't be a sellout. I, I, I want to be a sellout. I want to be a sellout to the most important things. If I'm passionate about something, I want to sell out to it. So in my job, I want to be extraordinary and I want to sell out when, when the stakes are really, really high mm -hmm. and we've got something that's really, really important to us that we are working on. You bet I'm going to sell out to that. But at the same time, when I go snowboarding with my daughter and, you know, we've done it for 17 years in a row Nothing is going to get in the way of that. And I'm going to go sell out to that. Um, and I'm going to be fully present that entire time and say no to everything else. So when my wife and I decide, let's go on a vacation, I'm going to sell out to that uh, that vacation and make sure that 
we're living it up. You recently went to Paris. I sure did. And I think what you, how you described it is left you said- Left it on the field. You, you said you left it all on the field. You sold out to the trip. So be a sellout. I didn't think I'd ever go back. You didn't think, you, oh yeah, you had to get it all done right then. That's I right. bet you go back. I've got a long list of, I, I can't do back. reruns with a list this long. I had to leave it all on the field. Yeah, absolutely. So, so sellout makes sense to me. I can't sell out to one thing all the time and sacrifice everything else, but I can sell out in sprints and I can sell out in phases and then focus on the next thing. So for folks listening today, what are some takeaways that you would recommend in really trying on this concept of avoiding mediocrity through life imbalance? Where would somebody even start? I think that's a great summary and and just probably just recapping some of the three things that we talked about, only this time maybe making it action-oriented. And I would just say evaluate how you're spending your day. Are, are you trying to click all of the buttons, the community, the leisure, the work, the kids, the church, the what, whatever? Are you – if there's eight slices, are you trying to juggle – all eight of them, all the time. If you are, chances are you're, you're mediocre across the board. I think it's a matter of saying, what are the two or three top priorities for this week? Also, look at the slices totally, because if they were important maybe five years ago, they may not be important right. now. The example right. I have is I was part of a book club, and I liked it for a while, but then it just started getting too much like homework. Mm -hmm. um, I like reading books, but I like going on to right. the next one. I don't like sitting and talking about it. Yeah. And so what did I do? I ditched the book club. Yeah. I think that's a great example. Don't be afraid to ditch. Don't be afraid to switch it up. Don't be afraid to say, no, not now. Maybe yes later, but it's no, not now. Don't be afraid to say that. Any other tips when it comes to uh, recharging your batteries? You've got to be intentional about this because if you're not, if you're not planning in your peak and rest intervals, you need to, because otherwise life's going to get in the way and you're not going to deliver at your peak because you haven't planned for it. And you're not going to deliver at your rest because you haven't planned for it. So one of those times in your work, when you must be a hundred percent on, you must be mad. Identify those times. Identify them by the week, by the month, by the year. I don't know. It's up to you. But identify when it's important for you to be at your peak and then and then make sure that either prior to that or after that, you're planning in some rest time, a vacation, a day off, whatever it is, but intentionally plan the rest based on what the expectations are for your business. But do the same for your family. Do the same for your community. Do the same uh, for your health and, and well-being. And I'm an over planner, making sure that you plan to be able to sell out in that moment. So for it. example, when you took um, your daughter on a, a snowboarding trip, you didn't just say, you know, call me if you need anything. I'm sure you put in place a backup and a plan B. And if this happened, this person was going to cover it. I know. At we, work? You're talking about at, at work? At work, at yep. work. And Part of the fun of it is with with our group, we cover each other's backs. I don't mind covering a colleague because I know when I go on vacation in 59 days, I get to yeah. 
that favor is going to be repaid. So taking the work, putting the work in, the planning, the preparation, the communication to ensure that you can really focus on that rest time. Yeah, it helps if you have an awesome team, right? <laughs> it does. Certainly doesn't hurt. Um, the the other thing, I just, I think when we, the last one was just when we talked about the passion, just making sure that you're not living your whole life for security. Um, it, part of the passion is just being 100% present. And if it's worth your attention, or let me say it this way, if it's worth your time, it's worth your attention. So when we're thinking about life imbalance for the extraordinary leader, be imbalanced on your presence as well. Don't fraction off your present by being 30% in this conversation, 20% in this conversation, 10% in this one, and 30% on this task over here. Mm-hmm. Be 100% present. We talked about that uh, in our one of our previous episodes in Emotional Intelligence, the importance of just being present, that eye contact, engaged in the conversation, if it's worth your attention, it's worth your time. And it's one of the hardest things to do, but the extraordinary people do it very, very well. They're 100% present and everything else is pushed aside. Mike, thank you so much for sharing your passion on this topic today. And with that, we wrap up our episode of Work-Life Imbalance. So make sure you join us next time. If you enjoyed this episode, share us with a colleague and hit subscribe so you don't miss one beautiful episode. Quick Fires is hosted by me, Cheryl Porter, and Mike Thompson. Thanks for listening.